Hi everyone. I just have a couple of announcements before we get started. First, the Chattanooga Civics website is now live at chattanoogacivics.com. I've compiled links to all the candidate websites in one place, and I'll be updating it regularly with links to the interviews. I also have links to some more general information, like how to find which council district you're in. If there's any other information you think would be helpful for me to include, please don't hesitate to reach out. Second, my wife Katie has graciously agreed to host the new Chattanooga Civics Instagram page. So you can now follow us there, at ChatCivics, that's chat with two T's. Lastly, this podcast is mainly a labor of love. It's a public service in the hopes that I can make Chattanooga a stronger, more engaged community. But it does come with expenses. I've spent about $150 on some bare-bones recording equipment, and I would really like to upgrade that if the podcast keeps growing. So if you can spare even just a few dollars, I'd really appreciate it. I would like to thank Brandon for being my first and only donor so far. You're great. I'm currently set up on PayPal, but if another app works better for you, I'm happy to set it up. Just shoot me an email. And if you can't donate, I completely understand. Times are tough right now. But if you can share this show with your friends and get more Chattanoogans educated about local politics, that would be amazing. And if you're part of a local business that would like to sponsor the show, I would love to hear from you. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. This is Chattanooga Civics. I'm Nathan Bird. On March 2nd, the city of Chattanooga will hold elections for city council and mayor. This week, I sat down with Dr. Eleanor Woods to discuss her campaign for the mayor's seat. get started. I'm here with Dr. Eleanor Woods, who's running for Chattanooga City Mayor. And Dr. Woods, if you could just take a minute, tell the listeners about yourself, why you're running for mayor, what you hope to accomplish. Hi there, everyone. Um, I am excited. First of all, thank you for inviting me to uh, participate in your podcast to educate and inform the community about who I am and what I stand for. And uh, I just want everyone to know that, first of all, I am a native Chattanoogan. I was born uh, in College Hill Courts, and so uh, this city uh, is my home. And I am considered a daughter of the city uh, because I was raised here all of my life, just went off to college and um, you know, earned several degrees and doctorate degrees and all, and decided I wanted to come back to Chattanooga to give my talent and my skills to my hometown. And uh, being here after returning home from, from college, uh, I became very uh, involved with our community. Is there's so many things that Chattanooga uh, needs and um, there's so many things that we've accomplished, but we've accomplished it because all of us that have been involved with this city's development have given of themselves. And so I began to give of myself in the ways that God had blessed me with. 
And so I've been here as a civil rights activist. You all know that I'm a dentist. Uh, you all know that I've had a school where I train people to be dental assistants, in particular women from welfare to work and those who were uh, challenged with obstacles and barriers. Uh, you all know that I'm the Dental Angel Fund Foundation founder, uh, giving you know close to millions of dollars worth of free dental care and reduced dental care for those who could not afford it. Uh, and just a, a plethora of things that the list goes on and on, you know, the needy, um, you know, participating in the community development in different ways. Um, I have my own radio station, WPTP 100.1 FM, uh, where we are an educational uh, nonprofit radio station, educating the community about what's going on in Chattanooga. And uh, a very powerful, inspirational radio station bringing jazz and gospel and just a lot of stuff. So there's just a bunch of stuff about me. We probably could be here till next year talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just really proud, number one, to have uh, been educated in this community the way that I have and have had my hands in so many different things so that I could understand how this city operates and what it's mm -hmm. needs. And being a part of this community, giving back every year for the past 31 years of my life uh, has afforded me the opportunity uh, to take a, a closer look at what I can do more uh, to improve the city of Chattanooga for all people. And uh, as an African-American female, I see the city in the, in, you know, through the lenses uh, that may not um, be seen by others. So my job is to educate this city even more so that we could become the, the best community that this United States of America has ever seen. And that's gonna take a lot of work. It's gonna take some changes in this city. And uh, so I'm the best person to do it because I've walked the streets. I know what's going on in this community and I've given back. I know where the holes are. Uh, I've studied his people. I've studied the leaders. I know how the leaders operate in this city. And so I'm the best person to problem solve and fix it. So that's why I'm doing I want to fix the issues affecting the people of Chattanooga and make our city the best, most progressive, most culturally diverse, most inclusive community in the United States. And I'm the person for that. Great. Well, it sounds like you've already done a lot for this community. And uh, I'm just wondering, you talked about you wanted, wanted to fix the community, make it better. I'm curious, putting on your mayor hat, what do you think Chattanooga's top weakness is and, and how can we fix it? What's the number one thing? Well, the, the, the number one weakness is that we have forgotten about our people, especially those who are marginalized and less fortunate. We have spent a ton of money building our downtown area, making it great for tourists, which I'm proud of, but in the midst of doing that, we have forgotten about its most precious resource. And that most precious resource is not the tourists, it's the people that live here. And so we have got to divert our energies a little bit away from that, especially during the COVID period, mm -hmm. to investing into the people who live in this city to give them the best experience uh, every day while they live here. Instead of making it an experience 
for a one-day affair or a one-week affair for a tourist. We need to now focus on the people who live here every day. And that's why my slogan for my campaign is, I'm putting the people first. I'm going straight after the things that we complain about every day and nobody's paying attention. And then on the other side, what is what is Chattanooga's top strength, what its top asset? What can we capitalize on to help improve our city further? Well, we have, you know, the one the most beautiful thing about Chattanooga is this natural habitat, the mountains, the rivers, the the uh the, the beautiful uh outdoor uh experience that we have here. It is just the most beautiful, beautiful city in the world. And so we have the opportunity to be that model city that everybody envies because we have utilized our resources to its best potential. And I don't think right now that we're utilizing it to its best potential because everybody is not feeling the pleasure and everybody is not feeling the benefit of what we have because Chattanooga has developed into a city of the have and the have nots, the cans and the can't do's. And so we've got to do something about making this city more diverse and progressive so that when people come here, no matter where they come from, in any, from any parts of the world or parts of life, they'll say, Chattanooga is progressive. We see black folk, we see white folk, we see Hispanic people, we see Asian people, we see people from India, we see people from Middle East, all parts of the world, like a melting pot. And when they come here, they can experience the cultural diversity that we exhibit through the activities that we provide in our city. And so that's where I come into play. I want to see more Hispanic activities in the downtown area. I want them to feel included. I want African-American culture to be exhibited downtown, whether it's through our foods, whether it's through our dance, through our arts, whatever it is. We can be just like um, uh, the Mardi Gras. When you go to uh, New Orleans, you'll just see a melting pot of diversity. And we have that chance, and we have what it takes to make it get there. We just got to have the right leader to push that agenda and make it happen. So you mentioned uh, our natural beauty. Obviously, you know I'm sitting in front of this wonderful background oh, showing gorgeous. showcasing that natural beauty. Uh, we've been named number one outdoor city by Outdoor Magazine two years in the past decade, and uh, you know that's that's really been pushing a lot of Chattanooga's development. We've been making our name for ourselves based on this outdoor beauty that we have. What are your thoughts on this new reputation, and how do we balance that reputation with making sure? everyone does have access. What kind of programs are you gonna implement, like you mentioned, to make sure that we have everybody, not just tourists, has access to this, this outdoor beauty that we have? And first of all, let me just say this. I am excited about that. I am proud that we have been listed as number one. 
I don't want to take anything away from the progress of this wonderful, beautiful city. So I don't want anyone to think that. I just want to add on it. And when we add on it and add to it, not only will we be the best outdoor, but we'll be the best in other things. These other things may involve other cultures. And so we need to look at what can we do that other ethnic groups would enjoy when they come to Chattanooga. Is it just the outdoor that we're gonna focus on? Or do we need to have a corridor in the city of Chattanooga that involves something like Bill Street? You know, I lived on Bill Street in Memphis. Something that brings people together is music and dance and the arts. So what can we do to bring music, art, and dance to our community that's inclusive of all ethnic groups so that when people come here, no matter where they come from, they'll have the best, most cultural diverse experience ever. And when they leave here, they'll say, you know what? Not only is Chattanooga number one for outdoor activities, but they have the most diverse cultural entertainment uh, art a place in the world. You've got to go there. Their museums are amazing. You know, they're, they're different music and, and different dance and all these other art, issues, art programs are just to die for. So that's what I want to see because I am told by my white friends and my black friends, Chattanooga, when you come here, it's almost like you're stepping back in time. And I'm tired of hearing that. That means when they come to Chattanooga, the place that we display mostly is missing other ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. That means when they come to Chattanooga, all they feel is whiteness. They don't feel blackness. And the only way, or any other other groups, when I say blackness, you know I'm saying that because I'm black, but I don't mean to exclude other ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. People need to come here and feel that there is a melting pot in Chattanooga because you know we are. We are a melting pot, but we're not showing that diversity. Right. I'm gonna put into the budget money in the arts so that we can create that image of diversity mm -hmm. because you don't have that image. Yeah, so expand on this idea that you have of, you know, you, you mentioned poss the possibility of a corridor or some kind of museum program. What, what are the kind of concrete things that you wanna do as mayor uh, you know, you mentioned increasing the budget for the arts. What are what are the kind of concrete ideas that you have to to implement this diversity as mayor and showcase it better? I think that it would be great for us to have outdoor You know, we're on the streets. You know, we can designate an area uh, in the downtown area where on the street is open. You know, certain right. times of the day where you can go to this spot right here and here. Um, you know, B.B. King music. You can go to this spot and you can see an artist painting and, and doing um, portraits of people on the spot. Mm -hmm. You can go to this spot over here and you might see some tap dancing going on. But everywhere you go, you will see people from different cultures exhibiting um, their culture in an artsy way. Mm -hmm. Well, I would love for that to be a designated area, like a whole block or two. Bill mm -hmm. Street has a whole block or two designated for outdoor entertainment. Right. That, that and also includes the arts 
And it is just a beautiful experience to go there and be a part of that when they have Bill Street open. I would like to see that. And where people come from all over the world say, I'm going to Chattanooga hmm. because on MLK, they just have festivities going on. There's mm -hmm. all kinds of uh, food and diff from different cultures being sold. And there's just so much going on uh, that we want to be a part of it. That's what I want to see. And we can create that. Chattanooga mm -hmm. is so strong. And its people are so, uh, I would say, just um, we are we are so moved in our community to make it all that it we can that it can be that when we put our heads together we come out with something dynamic so i would like to put the art people you know as a part of my administration so that they can help shape that you mm -hmm. put experts at the table you bring black folk black artists asian folk hispanic folk bring them to the table and say what would you like for your people to do, to create this cultural diversity. One of the problems that I believe that um, the river being had was that it was not inclusive and that uh, the music that they brought did not exhibit what the other cultures really liked. It was mostly uh, put together by a board of white men and white females that had more of an interest in what white people wanted to hear and do. And so black folk, I know I can speak for myself and I can speak for others because we have that conversation. We didn't feel a part of shaping River Bend. We had nothing to right. do with the artists or the venues or anything, nor were we included with the contracts, you know, the contracts to get the money from it. Mm -hmm. It was so cost forbidding that we couldn't participate. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that you have certain segments of the population that from an economic position are at a disadvantage from the beginning, you have to do something to spur that economic uh, uh, development and stimulate it, stimulate it so that you give them an opportunity. I always tell people, I am a product of affirmative action. I am a product of affirmative action because I was a little black girl who wanted to go to dental school and had all the things that you can think of as a barrier except academia. And once upon a time, it was difficult, no matter how strong you were academically, to get into school, med or dental. And so somewhere down the line, someone said, you all have discriminated long enough. You hold a couple of seats if there is a qualified, mm -hmm. qualified applicant. And I was one of those. And because of that, I was able to move myself from poverty to prosperity. Mm -hmm. And so we have to put in, in, in things that will put things into play that will help give someone a hand up. Right. Once they take that hand and they're given that opportunity, they will flourish. And so that's what I did. I was given a hand up, I was given an opportunity, and I flourished. And so that from that experience alone, I took that and put that into my, my life. 
and began to help other people. That's why I developed mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. Other schools in our community would not allow a lot of African-Americans to get into those programs. They made it extremely hard. And so I created a school. And because of that, many women, black, white, Hispanic, were able to make a livable wage because mm -hmm. they were given and afforded an opportunity with a hand up. And that's what we're gonna have to do in this city because we can't continue to go this way because we're losing our diversity. Mm -hmm. People are moving out of Chattanooga because they can't afford to stay here. There is no economic stimulus going on in African-American and black and brown communities. And so if you can't live here, you move on. We can't have that. We don't want that. So we've got to do better. And I'm the mayor, choice, to make sure that's going to happen. Why? Because I'm going to make sure my boards are diverse. I'm going to make sure that it represents the community that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, it shouldn't be one Black person sitting at the table and 30 white folk. You know, we are 30-something percent. It should mm -hmm. be yeah. on every board. I've had this conversation before. If you are a nonprofit or foundation organization in this city and your board does not represent the makeup of this city, then you have already failed from the beginning when you began to set your programs into place. Because who's best to tell you what black folks need, but black folk. Who's best to tell you what Hispanic need, but Hispanic people, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So if you're trying to solve problems in our communities that we so often do through our foundations and through the city, then have us at the table. So one of the first thing I wanna do is make sure that people of diverse backgrounds in the percentage that they represent in this community have a seat at that table. Have a seat at the table. And then we're gonna distribute things in equity, fairness, and justice. And then we'll have a great city. Until then, it will look like it looks now. Divided, tale of two cities have and the have-nots, the rich and the poor, the black and the white, just like that. And that is not the image that I want for my city. Mm -hmm. I say it's my city. This is my town. I love Chattanooga. And I want the best for it. I want my children to stay here. They're already moving. One's already in there because there's more opportunity for her there. Mm -hmm. And two, other, two others are about to move. And so we've got to keep our precious commodities here. Our children are our future. And so there are other things that we have to do. You know, the city mayor is responsible for early childhood education, zero to five. We're putting pennies on the dollar into early childhood education. We've got to pump money in there. So we have the best state-of-the-art early childhood education so that when they get to kindergarten, they're ready for kindergarten. Because if they're not ready for kindergarten, they're not going to be ready for the first grade. 
and then they're not going to be ready for the second, and then they're not going to be ready for the third, so then they're going to be ready for prison. Isn't that what they say? So we're breeding school-to-prison pipelines by not educating our children from zero to five, which 85% of the brain is formed during that time. Mm -hmm. So we've got to do better with that. There is no sense moving on for Chattanooga to have all of these homeless people. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, because I don't care if I, if I don't make it for mayor, maybe somebody will do this. I'm going to put it out there. We're going to get every homeless person off the street. I want 20 acres of land, and I want to build a camp, a camp, a compound to put these homeless people in like a dormitory style mm -hmm. room, just a bed and a place to plug a TV or a radio in, and a cafeteria. And in that compound, we will have a psychologist to examine these folks because we know they have mental illnesses and they can't take care of themselves. That's why they tense with 20 degree weather. We will have nurses and doctors on staff to make sure from a health perspective, they're taken care of. And we're gonna get a lawyer and we're gonna make friends with these judges. And when these people are rendered psychologically, mentally impaired, we want them to get their disability check so that the disability check can pay for their housing, food, those kinds of things. And when they get well enough, they can leave the compound and then find them another home. I asked the homeless department with the city, how many homeless people do we have? <laughs> so 1,800. I said, 1,800, wow. How do we come up with 1,800? Yeah. They said, well, we count them by when they come in and get services. I said, well, some of the people that come in and get services are not homeless. They come in and get free items, free food, you know, clothes. So I don't think there has been an accurate way of counting. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what, I go by the, the tent cities all over the city. And I talked to them, and I've talked to some, you know, don't just take them water and food. Sit down and talk to the homeless people. Mm -hmm. Pull up a chair and say, why are you out here? The people tell me that y'all are out here homeless because y'all don't want nothing. Y'all are too lazy, don't want to go to work, and want a handout. And they tell me that that's a lie. They said, do you think we want to be homeless? I said, I don't know. That's what the word on the street is. They said, we don't want to be homeless. And I said, well, where is your, do you have income? And some of them say, yes, we get a check. Mm -hmm. I said, who getting your check? They said, well, we signed up for somebody to watch over us. Somebody gets their check. Sephora is one of them companies that does this. And I say, well, why are you homeless? Because they only give them about $100 or so out of their whole check. I said, well, what do they do with the rest of the money? Well, they say we got to pay for this program and that program. Now, none of this has been fact-checked. I'm going to fact-check it, okay? Mm -hmm. 
Well, they make us pay for these programs. They make us do this. And they make us do that. They keep our money. And they're supposed to have us some housing. So why are homeless people using the address of the community kitchen as an address so they can get their checks mm -hmm. or wherever they get their checks? Most of them use the community kitchen as their address. Right. And they get their mail. You know, if you get a disability check, you got to have an address. It can't be a P.O. box. And then somebody intercedes and get their money, and then they supposed to be taking care of them, but they're on the street. I'm sick of it. Every homeless person's coming off the street. We got all these wealthy developers. I hope y'all are listening to me. You need to give something back. We give you tax abatements. We give you all kinds of freebies to help you grow your empire. And God is not pleased with any of us that have much and we don't give back to help his people. The poor people are put here for a reason. It's our testimony to whether or not we are abiding by God's word and doing what he put us on here to do. And when we walk past homeless people every day and we barely feed them and we got millions of dollars in our pockets, then God is going to deal with you. So I'm going to be asking these developers, help me build this campaign, this compound. Help me build it. Give some, I call it civic duty, um, uh, community service. Give some community service with all that money you got. Give up some. It's enough of y'all that it won't take a whole lot of y'all when you come together and build a compound for our homeless. And when they get well, we help them go into housing, which brings me to another issue. I want poor people, listen to me, that have scrapped up their money, saved up their money, to go down here to the property tax sales and put their money in a house that's dilapidated, thinking that they're going to be able to rent that house out and make some money. I want y'all to stop doing that. Because there's a judge that sits there waiting. Once you buy that piece of property, it's your problem. And if you don't fix that house up, <laughs> certainly at the time, yeah. you got to tear it down. And when you tear it down, that's going to be your expense, not the city's expense. So you buy a dilapidated house, you need to put 60000 in it, and no bank is going to give it to you because the house ain't worth for twenty, And it's in a zone where they don't want to give any money to fix these houses up. Go get you a vacant lot. Listen to me. A vacant lot with nothing on it and build you something from scratch. What I want to do I don't even want to fool with the developers because they take too long. I want to get homes that are prefabricated and put them on a foundation so that the bank can do a mortgage on it and let people move in them right away. Replace all these dilapidated houses with new homes because I'm sick and tired of going into homes checking on people that folks, I call them slumlords, are putting people because they're poor in these slum houses 
and charging them an astronomical amount of money to live in it, and it's not insulated. They don't control the rodents that run through the community and through their houses. And these people are living beneath God's privilege. And so I want my people, that means black, white, Hispanic. When I say my people, I'm talking about all of y'all. I want my people to stop wasting your money and let the city, and I'm going to be your next mayor. Let me tear it down. Don't you go in debt. Because the city could have tore these dilapidated houses down, but it costs money. So I'm not doing what's popular. I'm doing what's right. Mm -hmm. It's wrong for folks in this city to know these houses are on the demolition list and have it on a tax sale for auction and know that these people are putting their last dollars in these houses and got to tear right back down. I know several cases. So we're going to stop mistreating people, taking advantage of folk, you see? And we're going to start doing what we should do. That's loving our neighbors. And all of these communities, these marginalized communities, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you because I'm sick and tired of your neighborhoods looking like it's been deserted. I'm sick. I'm sick and tired of, we're going to put a budget together. We're going to work on every neighborhood. It's going to look like a community, mm. not a hood, a community. And when people walk outside their doors and they see stores, shopping areas, pharmacies, dry cleaners, libraries, parks, they feel good about where they live and they take better care of their neighborhood. When they come outside and all they hear is fire ringing in the air from bullets being shot, dilapidated houses on every street, you know, no economic development going on, no stores, food deserts, they don't care. It's depressing. It puts you in a state of depression, mm -hmm. you see? And so I'm going to be pushing for economic development in the African-Americans and black and brown communities all over this city. We got to revitalize our communities and let them all flourish like North Shore. Let them all flourish like East Brainerd. Let them all flourish, you see, like Hickson. All of them got to flourish, see? And until we do that, we're not right. We're not equitable in the city. So you know my background. I'm a civil rights activist. I believe in fairness and justice for all. And that's the reason why we're going to end the chokehold. We're going to be looking at the policies of the police department to make them better and get rid of some old laws on the book that should have been gone. You see? And no, we're not going to defund the police department. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Like I tell people, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? When something happens? You see? I love our police department. I don't love the people in it that does things to people. Police brutality. You know? We're going to stop police brutality because we're going to put some things in place 
that make them accountable for that kind of stuff. And no, we don't need to stop getting money for the police department if it makes it better. We need to be just as aggressive in these other areas that are lacking with finding funds. The police department has an aggressive grant writer finding money to use in our city to make our police department better. We're gonna put the same effort in the early childhood education, the same effort into homelessness, the same effort into these marginalized communities. We're getting them up to standard and par. We're gonna do the same thing, you see? And yes, we need more black and brown folk in the police department because black folk, Hispanic folk, Asian folks, Indian folks, whatever you are, Pakistan, whatever you are, we need to see them on the police force when they come to our neighborhood. You see? And then, and then white folk, because they say white folks are trigger happy, some of them, some of them, we need to do some more training. We need to do some more training. And, when, and if they can't psychologically handle it, they all need to be psychologically uh, evaluated anyway. If you've been given a gun in your hand to go out and police a city, you need to pass a psychological evaluation every year to make sure you still got your marble straight, to make sure you're not depressed, to make sure that you don't want to go out there and kill some folks just because you, you know, something's happened in your personal life. Yes, people can be unstable in any career and they need to be checkmated. You know, and when we have the best officers, they deserve to get paid better. Police officers deserve to get paid better. They put their lives on, uh, uh, you know, on the line every day. So I'm not for defunding them. I'm for funding them better and getting rid of the bad cops and bringing in better cops and making sure that it represents the, the percentage of black folk, white folks, Hispanic folk, whoever in this community. So if we can't find the application pool in Chattanooga, well, guess what? Go somewhere else and bring them in. Why aren't you recruiting them at, at historical black colleges and universities? We can do what we want to do. You know, when we wanted those houses on Main Street to be occupied, we gave them all kind of breaks. We even gave them some money on down payment, just bring artists in town to reduce their rent. Whatever we have to do to bring artists and to bring people to the downtown area, teachers and all of that stuff. When we want great teachers at bad schools, we give them I-Zone money, you know, the I-Zone schools. Okay, I know Miss So-and-So, you're one of the best teachers. And I know you don't want to come, you know, from your prestigious school and wherever to come over here to wherever because these kids have the, the worst uh, behavior, but we'll give you $25,000 more a year if you'll just come over here and teach these children. So if we need to recruit better officers, then let's come up with incentive bonuses to recruit them here, and then make sure Chattanooga police officers are getting paid well enough to give a damn. Some of them don't give a damn, they don't get paid enough. The fire department, you know, the things that they see while they're out there putting out fires, the horrific scenes that they come up on when they have to go to an accident site, 
They deserve to be paid fairly. And how do you judge fairly? Look around the states, you know, look and see what the surrounding areas are paying, you see, and make sure we're comparable so we can recruit the best. You see? Yeah. Our city, our city employees with public works get treated like, mm-hmm, and <laughs> they deserve get paid livable wages, at least 15. I did a survey a whole year throughout this city through my organization. And one of the questions was, do you believe that public work folk deserve to get paid at least $15? And 99% of the people said yes. You see? And so we're going to do that. If y'all make me the mayor, that's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to have to cut some stuff, y'all, to take care of people. I'm putting people first. We're going to have to cut some stuff to do some stuff. Because we ain't got but three or $400 million, y'all. They don't, they don't stretch a long way. And then we're going to have to hire the best grant writers in the United States and pay them to sit at the desk every day. Maybe we'd have to have four or five of them. And their job is to bring money to this city. You see, that's going to be their job. Because remember, we are dealing with COVID and nobody's traveling to this great, wonderful, beautiful, you know, outdoor living space of Chattanooga because they're scared they're going to get COVID. And with our rates being up high, I wouldn't come. So what are we going to do with the loss of revenue, maybe 25 or 30% of our revenue coming from tourism when it's gone? we got to be creative and do something else. So what do you do? You take care of your people. You, you, you open up new businesses so that there can be exchange of money, you see? And you make sure that the people that work in your city can afford to spend money in your city, you see? So if we keep our money circulating in our city, we won't go broke, you see? Mm -hmm. and, and you hire from within your city at all possible costs. Make sure the people that are working are the people that live here because they're paying taxes, you see? And then by the way, we were complaining about our potholes. You know, I had an accident about tow up my car, hitting a big pothole. So guess what? Since people travel through Chattanooga, I want you to think about this. Since people travel through Chattanooga every day from Atlanta, Knoxville, from Alabama, Georgia, Everybody come through our city. We like the little connector, the little nucleus. Mm -hmm. Tearing up our street, 18 wheelers coming through our city, coming through our interstate, tearing up our road. Why don't we have a toll? We're in the center of all these states. Why don't we have a toll to pay for some of this? Okay, I want y'all to think about that with the Department of Transportation. Because we need a we need a toll. We do. They gotta come through Chattanooga and they tearing up our roads. Why do taxpayers keep paying for what other people are tearing up? Do I make sense? Mm -hmm. Economic sense, you see. And so that that is 
uh, one of the things we're going to do besides the other stuff I talked about. So these boards are going to have to reflect the demographics of our city. And these contractors that can't get contracts for this city, y'all better, better recognize one thing, because that's one problem I had dealing with with the NAACP as the president, is that they were being locked out of opportunity. That's going to change. As I'm going to make sure that we follow the federal guidelines. If there is a set aside, whatever you want to call it, we're going we're gonna, to, and if you don't want to go by that, okay, if you're a developer and you, you don't want to go by the rules, then perhaps you don't get the contract. And we get somebody that will abide by the rules and give them the contract. Y'all ain't the only contractors. And I'm not talking about develop, I mean developers. I'm not talking about them in a negative way. I'm saying stop being greedy. Stop. Share the love, share the wealth, and employ some folk. Let some of these contractors that are not as big as you are become subcontractors because that's the only way they're gonna be able to participate. Because you know they don't have as much money. You know they don't have the bonding ability. So you can do better by helping your fellow man in this city. And we're going to do better because I'm going to have folks that look at the law and we're going to do what it say do. And don't tell me, well, we don't have nobody to fulfill. There's, no, there's nobody that fit the description. They don't, okay, well, we're going to find some. We're going to find some. They there. They there. We're going to find them. And so contractors and these folks that work for these unions, that are getting cut out, I'm your girl. I'm your girl. I'm a union supporter. My dad was a union worker. He worked at Ross Mayhem Foundry for many, many years. And when they closed down, he went to a U.S. Foundry and he passed away. But he was a union man, okay? U.S. Pipe, that's what it was, U.S. Pipe and Foundry. And my daddy was a union worker. My mom, the nurse, she's a union worker, a union supporter, you see. Mostly everybody in my family, because they work on, you know, I call it people-type jobs, you know, uh, teachers and all that kind of stuff. They had to be a part of a union. And I support unions. That's probably almost everybody that works, right? Zip corporate. So we've got to support them. I'm a boss. I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur, you see? But I understand the value of people sticking together. So they keep people that have a whole lot in check. That's why God made so many poor people. When I was a little girl, I used to say, God, why didn't you make me rich like the other people? Why you got more, more poor people than rich folk? Why? It don't seem fair, God. And as I grew old, I understood. God made more poor people, just like he made more ants. And when them ants come to your picnic, I don't care how big you are, I don't care how big of a giant you are, they win when they come together, right? God made so many small people, poor people, that when they come together, you see what Georgia did. When they come together and recognize their power that God has given them and they unite, 
They can take any giant down and get what they want. That's why he did it. It's to keep us in check. Because we want to get to how on our horses and think more of ourselves and forget about the poor people and the regular working man. And we want to get a little snooty and snotty and start trying to treat people bad. When they come together, they will take you down. So I'm telling the folk out there, I'm your mayor. I've been there where you are. I haven't always had money and I've struggled. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've had to learn from my mistakes. And so I know what it feels like when you're down and ain't got nothing. I know what it feels like when you're homeless. I know what it feels like if you're a welfare single mother. I've been all of those things. But look what God did for me. With a little bit of hand up and a little bit of opportunity and a whole lot of sweat equity and good work ethics and studying, you can be anything that you want to be and you can have anything that you want to have. And we just need to be told that. You are somebody. I don't care where you are. You're listening to me now. You are somebody. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not somebody. I was that welfare mother. I was that homeless person. I was that poor person that didn't have anything. I went to public school. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. Yes, I'm articulate, and yes, I'm very educated, and yes, I have money in my pocket, but I never forgot where I come from, and I never forgot what God said. Take care of his people, and I will take care of you. So I'm a big philanthropist, and I believe in folk helping people. So that's why I want to be the mayor, because I have the heart that some of them will never have. You see, I'm not saying all of them, I'm not calling no names, because there's many of them with a heart. But I know I have a big heart, because I've already done it. I'm not asking you to make me your mayor so I can do something. I have already given millions of my dollars away to help that single mother, to help that struggling student, to help move these welfare moms from welfare to work to give to the homeless, to help a young grandmother raising her grandchildren who don't have any resources and her children are lost and she needs some help. Maybe she need a bill paid. Maybe her walls or something's falling down in the house and she needs somebody, a carpenter to come and fix it. You see, when you can give back to the people in the community, then it's just in you. When nobody asks you to do it, and you're not on a billboard asking for recognition, it's in your heart. So I'm telling people, I'm not the best at everything and I don't claim to be a know-it-all. What I've learned in life is that I, all I know is I don't know nothing. And I've learned to depend on experts to do what experts do in their designated field and pull them together. Pull all of them together. I'm good at that. I can make a team. Give me the best teacher. Give me the best lawyer. Give me the best doctor. Give me the best of everything. I want y'all on my team. And you ain't going to beat me. You're not going to beat me because I got the best of everybody. 
And all I can do is pull teeth. I can pull teeth. I can put teeth in your mouth. I can do implants, surgery, whatever, reconstruction. I can do all of that. And you're not going to beat me at that because my daddy said, whatever you do, be the best at it. And I'm the best at it. But I'm not the best at what you do. Why would I do what you're going to do? So we need the best economist. We need the best accountant. We need the best person that can handle housing working with us. Homelessness working with us. Education working with us. You see, transportation working for us. Don't get the worst, get the best. And when we get the best working together with the mayor, this city will be amazing. And that's what I want to do. So you all vote for me because I'm looking for an amazing city, one that everybody is prospering from and that have an opportunity, see? So that's, that's what sets me apart is that my life experiences, I don't know of one person that have experienced everything that I've experienced. I don't know. Number one, I'm a mama. Number two, I'm a grandmama. And the last time I checked, it was all men except for me and you know who, I don't call her name. I'm the only one that have had babies and understand what it feel like to be a mother trying to take care of her kids. I'm the only one that's been a baby mama that understand what it feel like when you didn't get your baby mama checked. You see, I'm the only one that's been born in poverty and went off to school and got my doctoral degree that's working as a doctor and understand what it's like to not have nothing and give back. I've already done it. Look at your candidates. Who's already done it? With excellence to the degree and not used anybody else's money. No grants. No. I know y'all think that. No, 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 no. 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 Because guess what? I wasn't at the table. I didn't get to sit at the table. I wasn't invited to the table. You see? And so guess what? God said, if you ain't invited to the table, make your own table. So I made my own table. I spread my own tablecloth. And I said, God, provide. And that's what he did. He provided for me so I can provide for the people in this city. So all you got to do is start talking to some folk. They'll tell you, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Dr. Woods, she helped my mom or my dad. Black and white, don't matter. If they admit it. Now, some people out of shame don't want you to know. You see? But that's okay. Uh, so that, that's where I am. And for the doctors that are listening to me, we are going to have some money in this budget for our doctors and our dentists. The doctors, and I would be remiss as a doctor to sit here and say, I'm not going to help my colleagues because we put our lives on the line every day and give so many millions of dollars away because people cannot afford their health care. They can't afford it. But guess what? We can't let somebody walk out the door and die. That's the reason why I started the Dental Angel Fund Foundation. People were dying over dental infections. And all I have to do is take five or 10 minutes of my time, give a little anesthesia, numb them up, and take that tooth out. 
and that person lives. Or I could turn my back and let a person walk out the door and die from an infection that spreads to their brain and the rest of their heart, their body. The systemic oil connection. I do series on that. You know, I did lectures on that. The oil systemic connection. So us doctors, especially during COVID, I'm talking about the MDs right now. I'll get to the DDSs. They have had to take care of patients to keep them alive and have no insurance. We deserve, as medical providers in this city, to have a piece of that budget. I ain't figured out how we're going to distribute it, but put in the medical and the dental field for us doctors that give so much away to help at least cover some of the expenses. You see, at least some of those expenses. And if we can't find it in the budget, what did I say? We're gonna find the best grant writer in the world. They need to be sitting in the mayor's office. That all they do all day long is find money for medical and find money for dental. I love my professionals, my, my dentist friends, my medical friends. I love you. And as your mayor, I'm going to take care of you. I don't know how much yet, but I've talked to some of you. And I know we can do something because we have so many pork, P-O-R-K, pork programs. That's not, you know, that BFO that they call, BFO, Budget for Outcome. And they you they spending millions of dollars. And when you look at what the outcome was, zero. So let's cut those zero BFO programs out and put it where people are actually doing something and have outcomes. And with COVID, we need our doctors. And as dentists, we put our life on the line every day going in the mouth. That's where it's spread from the respiratory system. So every day we go in and relieve pain and suffering. We are putting our lives on the hand, the most, the dentist. And so we're going to help our dental friends in this community, if I'm the mayor. And we are going to bring back the Black Chamber of Commerce. Because if the Chamber of Commerce was doing such a good job, then why don't we have more Black businesses in this community thriving? Why aren't our communities, marginalized communities, looking worse today than it was 50 years ago? Why do we look like we're pre-civil rights movement? We had dry cleaners, we had grocery stores, we had uh, uh, all kinds of uh, exchange of commerce going on in our communities. Our houses were beautiful, our yards looked great, you see? So where did that go? You see, every CDC, Community Development Corporation, under one mayor's term, were demolished. They stopped funding them. Why would you stop funding CDCs that benefit communities of color? Why would you divest, which is what happened you divest it, and you wonder why the communities are in the condition that they are in. We're going to invest. 
And you know what? The Community Reinvestment Act, if you don't know about it, when I get off of here, look it up. These banks are supposed to be pouring in millions of dollars into our community every year. Where is it going? You see, it's gonna go where I know it's supposed to go when I come in as mayor. We're gonna, we're gonna even the playing field. It's called parity. You see, let's not be greedy. Let's make sure everybody has a fair chance to thrive so that we can be that beautiful, diverse city that Chattanooga needs to be. And then I can be proud to invite anybody that I know to my city and say, oh, Chattanooga is so diverse. I get sick of people talking about Atlanta. I'm tired of it. And I love Keisha Lance Bottle. I'm so tired of folks saying, we need to be like Atlanta. Atlanta got it going on. Atlanta this, Atlanta that, la 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 la. And we sitting here in Chattanooga with these beautiful mountains and rivers and streams and parks and walks and all of this wonderful outdoor recreation and all of these folks with so much diversity that they can be a part of this city that we're not using, that we wouldn't have to talk about Memphis. We wouldn't have to talk about Atlanta. We wouldn't have to talk about New Orleans. We'd be talking about the city of Chattanooga. So if I'm disappointed about anything, it is we had the opportunity with the river bend to show the world that we're diverse. And I think we missed the mark. We missed the mark. Because when black folks don't show up and other cultures don't show up, that's money. We spend money. You see? So when I talk to the hair people with my economic round table, I got a few more I got scheduled. When you're talking about $400 billion black folks spend on hair and skin products and two or $3 trillion we're getting our hair done and stuff like that in this United States of America, we got some money. That's something to reckon with. So why would you not be inclusive and increase your revenue? So when we're diverse, we make more money in our city. You see? So we, I want everybody money. I want the Jews money. I want the white folks money. I want the black folks money. I want the Hispanic folks money. I want the Asian folks money. I want the Indian people money. Pakistan, Middle East, I want everybody money in this city. And that's why I'm the diverse candidate, the most diverse candidate in this race. And I'm not paying anybody to join my campaign to trick nobody. If somebody come to you and they ain't never came to your community and they don't look like you, and they tell you they want you on their team, ask them where they been. Ask them to show you how much they've invested in your community in the past. Don't let them use you. Your vote is worth millions of dollars, people. That's anybody, worth millions of dollars. And I tell my followers, don't give me no money. Keep your money, you ain't got a lot of money. Keep it, give me your vote. Give me your vote. And last but not least, unless you come back and ask me some more stuff, we're going to decriminalize marijuana use in this city. 
Did y'all hear me, young folk? We're going to have to fight the governor, and we're going to march on the Capitol because it is disproportionately affecting African-Americans and minorities when it comes to putting them in prison. Unlike uh, cocaine, meth, you know, so we've got to we've got to be fair when we start talking about criminal justice. It's disproportionately affecting African Americans in particular. So we've got to come up with another way until the uh, governor decide to either move on and a new governor come in, or he change his ways a little bit and talk to us and say, okay, they don't need to be smoking weed. We know that, but can we give them a citation and let them, give, let them do some community community services and go to rehab? Can we not help them? It's an illness. When you're an alcoholic, they don't even fire you. They say go to rehab and you keep your job. Am I right? When you when you have a cocaine habit, they don't fire you. You say it's an illness. Marijuana use can be an illness. They need their marijuana. Some of, them, some of them have bipolarism and they, I don't know, not been diagnosed. They don't know they got bipolar, but when they smoke that weed, it calms them down. Glaucoma, all these other medical reasons why people need that. Pain, people suffering with cancer. I mean, I'm just talking about from the medical perspective. Now, from the recreational perspective, you got to wonder why they want it. And if they got a habit, let them go to rehab. Don't mess up their record. These are 17, 18 year olds that have a bright future and now they felons. Now, if you're a drug dealer, you just gotta go to jail. You gotta go to jail. Yeah, you gotta go to jail. You can't be bringing drugs in. You, you know, you, you gotta go to jail. But if you got a habit, it's an illness and we need to treat it like that. Alcoholism, meth, cocaine, heroin, marijuana. So why punish marijuana differently than you do anything else? They shouldn't lose their job. They should go to rehab and make sure they're being tested and make sure they're clean. But don't, 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 don't mess up these young folk lives. So yes, I am going to be an advocate and march, march and pull other communities across the state together to march to Capitol to the Capitol Hill and testify so we can decriminalize marijuana use. One ounce or less, okay? Don't have marijuana growing in your backyard, you know, that kind of stuff. And no, Dr. Woods, don't get high. I've never smoked <laughs> in my life, not a day in my life, you know, but so many people I know do, you see. so. We've, we've, got to, we've got to help our young folk and we've got to also give them opportunities when they make mistakes so that they don't ruin their lives, okay? So that, that's where I am um, with that. We're right about an hour. So I, I wanna thank you for your time. Thank you so much for agreeing to interview. And if you just wanna tell everybody, tell our listeners where they can find out more about you. If you have a website or social media, where can they find you? Okay, I want you all to go to Doc Woods, D-O-C-W-O-O-D-S dot org. There is my website. 
And from there, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook. Also, you can donate to our campaign. We also have Cash App. You can donate to our Cash App. You can follow us in our mobile app. We're always out in the community doing things. We're going to be taping this coming up Saturday. Uh, we're going to be visiting a, a, a few tent cities throughout the city, feeding them. It's not like it's a show because I feed them anyway and bring them water anyway. Uh, and I'm not going to let the people know where they are because the last time I said something about Tent City being on Hooker, on, not on Hooker Road, on Workman Road, there was a ton of families. They was in the little woods, had it going on. The next thing I know, they had come through and cut every tree down. I remember that, yeah. Moved them out of there. So now I'm not telling you all where they're at because you don't have a house. You don't have nowhere for them to live. You had to come up with a solution like a compound. You're not trying to get them in the, in the house, but you're taking their money, so leave them alone. Leave God's people alone, and let's get them some help. So if all they got is a tent, and you don't have nothing else for them, let them have their tent. And let that be the reason why y'all vote for me, to get them out of their tents. In fact, I may take some tents to them, because some of the tents I saw are raggedy. They need new ones, you see? And, to, and then I'm going to tell them, like I've told before, I'm coming for you all. I'm coming back for y'all. We're going to get you all out of this mess. We're going to get y'all out of this mess. And I need y'all to pray for me. That's number one. Pray for me and know that Dr. Woods don't owe anybody anything. I'm not in anybody's pocket. And so when I come in, I can start working for the people. I don't have to pay anybody back. You know, for for making me what I am, I don't owe God that. I owe God that. I don't owe nobody in this city anything. So don't come for me. And don't try to embarrass me in any kind of way. Because whatever I've ever done has never been illegal. Never. So if you come for me, I'm going to come back for you. Okay? In a godly way. Leave me alone because God has sent me to run this race. Whether I win, lose, or draw, God sent me to tell you this is what we got to do to make Chattanooga a better place. Great. Well, thank you very much. Again, thank you for your time and good luck in March. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chattanooga Civics. Our music was written and recorded by Kevin McLeod. If you have any questions or feedback, please send me an email at chattanoogacivics at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at chatcivics, or visit the website chattanoogacivics.com. Thanks for listening. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.